Welcome to the C.L. Brown Show. I am your host, C.L. Brown, sports columnist with the Louisville Courier-Journal. This week in football, Louisville travels to NC State and Kentucky takes on Florida at home. On the surface, there's nothing special about those games, but if Louisville and Kentucky get past this week with a pair of wins and matching 5-0 records, the build-up to next week's games will be monumental, like something we've never seen before in the state as the Cards welcome Notre Dame to the Ville and UK plays at Georgia. Before that can happen, though, This week's opponents are good enough to hand both teams L's, respectively, which would minimize the stakes next week. To break down the Cards game at NC State, I have joining me on the show, J.B. Ricks, the North Carolina Spectrum News 1 sports anchor. And to preview the Cats game against Florida, I have with me UK's leading receiver, Tavion Robinson. But first, CL sounds off. Sad to say, my colleagues in the industry, as well as coaches, are getting it all wrong when it comes to voting in the polls. The reflective yet entirely lazy tendency to lean on the SEC is again showing up as the league has seven ranked teams. Even Kentucky, which has gotten off to a 4-0 start, but hasn't played like a 4-0 team, if we're being honest, got enough votes to be positioned as the second highest of the schools that didn't get in. I mean, basically, we're talking about they're the number 27th team in the country. Quickly, name the best SEC victory in non-conference play so far. Alabama over Texas? Nah, the Longhorns steamrolled the tie 34-24 in Tuscaloosa. LSU over Florida State? Nah, the Seminoles dominated the Tigers 45-24. And North Carolina busted South Carolina 31-17. Miami spanked Texas A&M 45-24 when the Aggies were inexplicably ranked. Missouri. Yes, those Tigers at least have seemingly earned their way into being ranked 22nd and 23rd in the coaches and AP polls, respectively. Mizzou beat Kansas State thanks to a last-second 61-yard field goal. That's the best win. I mean, if you're really being picky, you could say Ole Miss beating Tulane. But the Green Wave's starting quarterback, Michael Pratt, was injured and didn't even play in that game. So I'm not really giving him credit in the same way. Now let's round, run down the list of every team's best non-conference win in the almighty Southeastern Conference. Georgia, probably their best win is UAB. Florida, UNC Charlotte. South Carolina, Furman. Tennessee did beat Virginia, a Power 5 ACC school. But the Cavs are probably going to be between the Cavaliers, Virginia Tech, and maybe even Boston College. They're going to be fighting for the bottom spot in that league. Vanderbilt, they beat Hawaii. LSU, to be fair to LSU, they've played two conference games. So after losing to the Seminoles, they only played one other non-conference game. That was Grambling. By default, Grambling's their best non-conference win. Alabama, they beat South Florida 17-3 and they struggled. We all saw their backup quarterbacks struggle in that game. Texas A&M, it was New Mexico. Auburn, it was Cal. The future ACC member Cal Berkeley. Auburn won that game 14-10. Arkansas, they beat Kent State. And Mississippi State, at least they did beat another 
Power 5 team in Arizona, which is also probably a middle of the pack or bottom half of the Pac-12 type team. So the SEC is basically living off its name. But anyone who's paying attention knows it's a down year in the league and the polls should reflect as such. I'm done sounding off. Let's talk Louisville NC State with Spectrum News 1 sports anchor JB Ricks. Uh, I wanted to jump in with the Wolfpack, just just kind of getting a sense of where they are right now. Uh, obviously, their only loss was to Notre Dame, but how, how do you feel like they've played so far? I mean, is 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 this the team you thought they would be preseason? Mm, okay. All right. Well, just allow me to preface this by saying, you know, I'm going to keep it 100 here on the podcast, just like I do on the Rick's Review. So I'm going to be straight up honest with you. The Wolfpack are three and one right now. And in the Notre Dame game, they were in that game through the first three quarters, and then they just lost it in the fourth. Notre Dame took it over. And that was really the worst performance that they've had um, of the season so far when it comes to just if we're going by quarters. But yeah. when it comes to the season overall, they are where, there should, where they should be right now, three and one. But I will say that I felt like there was a little bit too much of a struggle against UConn and a little bit too much of a struggle against Virginia. Uh, they needed a a, game, a walk-off game-winning field goal to win that game against Virginia, who we all know is down this year, you know, yeah. for obvious reasons or whatever. But UConn, you saw what Duke did to UConn this past weekend, right? Uh, yeah, NC State yeah. struggled a little bit to win that game, but they got the dub at the end of the day. That's all that matters. So through the first four games of the season, they are where they should be, but they could be even further. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this isn't only a litmus test for Louisville, on Friday night, but this is the test for, for NC State too with, with the Louisville team coming in 4 0. Uh, this team has put up 56 points twice through two of those first four contests. So you know they're gonna be they're gonna bring the offensive punch, you know, to this game. And I actually asked Dave Dorn about that today as far as, you know, how is he, how his defense is gonna be able to counter that because he likes his defense to dictate the pace of these games. Oh yeah. So that's going to be a tall challenge, which he recognized uh, during his weekly presser earlier today. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if, if NC state is going to be able to give what they need to be their best performance of the season this year, in my opinion, in order to go to two and zero and improve the four and one and have that momentum going into the following, following week. So this is a big test for NC state just as much as it is for Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. How defenses is, is pretty much to me the calling card of a Dave Doran team uh what who do you see up front maybe being able to cause Jack Plummer get get him a little bit excited in the pocket um I I think this game against Boston College it seemed like it it felt like he had all day to throw when he needed it you know it it didn't really seem like Boston College brought a whole lot um in terms of pressure during the course of the game but uh, how is NC State in terms of, you know, their pass defense and pass rush? Well, you, like you said, Dave Doran's teams have, have always had a staple of defense. They've always been b- pretty good on that side of the ball. And this year, there's no different. They've got a stud in Peyton Wilson at the linebacker position, and he's definitely kind of like leading that front seven for sure. Um, when it comes down to actual game schematics, like, like state's going to have to be a lot more aggressive than Boston College was, especially if they were able to 
uh, give Plummer that amount of time to go out here and put 56 points up on him like that. And that's that's not going down on Friday night. I can't see State giving up 56 points, but at the same time, they gotta they gotta make sure they 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 put that aggression on him and and disrupt whatever flow that Louisville has going on right now. Dave Dorn and his coaching staff better have some good schemes ready to go to make sure they disrupt that flow. But when it comes to that front seven, Peyton Wilson pretty much leads, leads the charge. He leads the day or whatever. So, you know, he's going to be their signal caller out there. He'll be the leader. Um, and uh, whatever pressure that they can get up front, I guarantee you he'll be coming in on the backside if uh, you see Dave Dorn and them dial up a blitz here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Offensively, it just doesn't seem like they've, it, it, they've hit their gear yet. You know, um, I think they're towards the the bottom half of the ACC in terms of total offense uh, yards per game. And what, what what have you kind of seen? What what's your take on what is it gonna? You know, why why maybe they're behind the curve right now offensively? It's 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 all Brennan Armstrong right now. You know what I mean? And and Brennan Armstrong is a very talented athlete, but I feel like he's having to do too much to carry this offense. Because, you know, they're, they're, State's lacking that balance that you need on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like he doesn't have the running game support. Um, he doesn't have, like, an explosive receiver that is, you know, coming through and just being consistent with getting downfield and getting open and, 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 and providing those type of explosive plays. So Brennan Armstrong is always, you know, he drops back or whatever, and then all of a sudden he's, he's got to tuck it down and he's got to go run. And then you see a lot of quarterback draws and a lot of, a lot of plays being dialed in for Brennan Armstrong. And in my opinion, that's going to catch up with State. That's going to catch up with them down the road. So that's what's lacking with their offense right now. I don't feel like Brennan Armstrong has the support he needs for this offense to be successful. So, you know, the VMI game, you know, they went up against VMI and took care of their business and cleaned up a lot of communication. That was one of the main things they were speaking about when they wanted to uh, clean up the things that they, they recognized needed help you know, through their first three games or through their first, yeah, through their first three games. So they cleaned that up and then they went up to Virginia, but they still, they still struggled. You still saw a couple, you know, instances here where they just could not get into a rhythm. But at the end of the day, they ended up winning the game. But in my opinion, Brennan Armstrong is having too much responsibility put on him to make this offense go. So that's what's lacking right now. He needs more support, whether it be from a running back who's going to come out and break open or whether it be a wide receiver who's going to be that guy. Uh, Concepcion had a great, a great game against Virginia this past Friday. He ended up uh, getting an award this week for the ACC. So maybe he'll be the one uh, to, to step up and be that explosive player that Brendan Armstrong can kind of rely on so he doesn't have to tuck and run all the time. Yeah. I, I want to take a bigger picture view, too, of the league overall. And, and where do you see... Who who do you see at the end of the day when it's uh whenever the date is December second or third the ACC championship mm-hmm. game in Charlotte who do you see as the two teams that will be there ah that second team man right now it's it I don't know I can't give you that second team yet because I still need to see how things kind of play out here at least through you know midway October maybe through October or whatever I have a better idea but yeah. it's no question man for Florida State that win at Clemson that was it. But you know what, though? That's why we play the games, though, CL. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. Like yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're having this conversation in late September. I guarantee you this conversation will, will change come late October. You know what I mean? Because no like doubt. those games where you come and prove yourselves and prove where your program is at and what your program is ready to go out here and contend for, these are the games. These are the ones you have to win. Louisville, 
and NC State Friday night, I'm telling you, man, that's going to be a litmus test for both of those programs. That was J.B. Ricks from Spectrum News 1, and these are the pickup lines. I was three plays away last week from being unbeaten, but, I mean, as it goes, I still fell down to 10-2 and two straight up, 8-4 and four against the spread. Looking to go 3-0 and oh this week with these picks. Let's start with that game JB was just talking about. UofL at NC State. The cards are three and a half point favorite. And I'm going to go off of what JB just said. The Brennan Armstrong is doing too much, having to do too much for the Wolfpack on offense. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with the Cardinals. Take the cards and to cover the spread. Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite at home against Florida. They've won three of the last five against the Gators, including the last two. I think they've broken that stigma that is that has long been a part of this game, this annual meeting, and and just the mentality that they couldn't get over the hump. Well, they've done it, and I expect them to do it again. They're both kind of coming in on even ground, even though Florida is a ranked team with a victory over Tennessee. But as I alluded to in the sounding off segment, I mean, people are just getting ranked because voters are lazy and and going to their crutch of ranking SEC teams. So give me the cats, both to cover and to win straight up. And lastly, my national game of the week, Notre Dame at Duke. The Irish are a five and a half point favorite. And what it all comes down to for me even though Duke is is playing well, and certainly under Mike Elko, they have, have shown a lot of toughness and a lot of grit. But the Irish have won 29 straight regular season games against ACC competition. I'm looking for them to move that number to 30, and I'm also looking for them to cover that 5.5 number as well in the spread. So I'm taking two out of three road teams this week. Y'all pray for me. And let's move on. We're going to have UK leading receiver Tavion Robinson up next. I wanted to start with you are a Virginia Beach native, and I know you guys got the game coming up with Florida, but I I got a different kind of question to start off with, and Mm -hmm. it is about the 757. So we always hear when we hear about recruiting hotbeds, it's always – Florida, Texas, you know, parts of California, parts of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel like Virginia Beach and that whole Tidewater area? Where where do you feel like you guys stack up in terms of recruiting on a national scale? Uh I think I think we're in that upper echelon. People just don't give us the credit we deserve, but um we've had some really good talent come out of 75 in Virginia itself. So I mean I could name guys like myself, uh, Cameron, Taraji, Sheridan. Um, then you got young guys who are under me, like a couple of kids at Dukes, a um, couple of kids. A dude who went to Penn State. Virginia's a really, a really good place to come recruit, and um, I think I think we rank up there. Do you, do you guys have a, a bit of a chip on your shoulder? Like, do you do you guys carry it like that? I I don't know about everybody. I but I personally don't. I mean, 
you got the talent, you'll get found no matter where you are. But um, I know every time that uh, I hear about people coming from the 757, they're doing really good at the collegiate level. So, yeah. So you guys have Florida on Saturday, a, a, a big game by, you know, by just about every metric um, coming into this game. 4-0 Florida uh, got ranked after they beat Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 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 kind of one of those barometer games I look at, especially with with Georgia on the horizon, too, for you guys. So what what's the build up like this week uh, heading into this game? I mean, uh, how 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 big of a game? I know every game is important. I know, I know all the coach speak that comes with it. But what's mm-hmm. what's what's the real sense of what this you know, what's at stake on Saturday? Um, Obviously, we notice uh, another SEC opponent. Uh, following last week, and Florida is uh historically a good school, and this year they're playing good ball, and um they just beat a high ranked Tennessee, and um for us, you know, nothing nothing really changes big time, you know, just preparing a little better, trying to uh, minimize self inflicted wounds from week to week, you know, um we've had three weeks to have those tune up games, and now it's SEC ball, and obviously these wins or losses um count in terms of standings on both sides of the conference, but um, you know, we treat every game like it's a big one, but we do. I mean, this is an SEC game, so uh, we do have that, I guess, in the back of our minds. Now, since you started off at Virginia Tech, you played what your first three seasons there. Um, you don't have a lot of the baggage that comes with this game because for a long time, Florida pretty much dominated this series. UK has won three out of the last five and mm-hmm. two straight. And so technically you've never lost to Florida, right? Nah, never. <laughs> but um how how can you kind of kind of explain like how uh last year before you faced Florida, like can you tell how how much of a measuring stick that program has been when it comes to Kentucky getting over this hump with Florida? Um I, I could tell I definitely could tell that week leading into that game last year and afterwards um, how much it meant to this program. And obviously my first year, like you just said, I didn't understand how much it really meant to get a win over Florida. But um, going down there, playing at Florida, beating them in that stadium, you know, that's a a tough stadium to play in. And uh, it was a good win. And, you know, obviously our mentality this week is to go one and know as well and just keep continuing to, you know, beat them every year. I also wanted to get you to give some insight into the ACC versus the SEC. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you played at Virginia Tech so uh, and grew up in Virginia Beach, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you kind of grew up on ACC football. What, what do you feel like the differences, if there are many, between between uh, the, the two leagues? Um, I guess you could say that Mostly your NFL talent comes from this conference. Um, but I just, I mean, football is football to me, you know, no, no matter what conference I'm in or what, what names on the jersey. But um, it is a little different. I'll say this conference is, uh, you see a lot of guys that's a lot more filled out, a lot bigger. Teams are bigger. Um, guys move a little faster. Um, you don't, they, they, they play a, a higher I don't want to say like a higher level of football, but it's like 
uh, more discipline ball, if that makes sense in this conference. At least that's what I've noticed. But at the end of the day, it's all football. You know, everybody's putting on the same helmet jerseys, playing the same game with the same ball. And, um, you know, I've had fun in both conferences. That's what it's all about. So I wanted to talk specifically about about the offense this year. It seems like, you know, obviously Liam Cohen returned as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you didn't get to play for him when he was first there, but mm-hmm. but playing for him now. It seems like you guys have put together snapshots of how, you know, how high level it can be when everything's clicking. But it seems like the consistency hadn't hasn't been there through all four of these games. Where, where do you feel like you guys are now as an offense, especially coming off, you know, maybe maybe having gained some momentum from that Vanderbilt win? Um, You said, what have I noticed? Yes. Um, Just, well, first, you know, as an offense, we noticed improvement from, you know, week one to week four. And uh, uh that kind of shows us how good this offense can really be. And you know, honestly, those, we have to, we're, we're working on trying to put together a complete game, you know, not having no, self-inflicted wounds, you know, no mental errors, no, you know, um, dumb penalties. But um, the way we came out that Vanderbilt game, we came out, uh, scored first drive, we came out hot. We had a really good first quarter and slowed down a little bit. And those, that's the part we're trying to clean up. You know, it's like we're playing, you know, halves of games as an offense when we need to be putting together full games because that's what we are very much capable of. And, um, you know, Coach Cohen does a good job of preaching that. You know, he does. He he tells us that, you know, we're not far off. We're doing really good stuff as a unit. It's just, you know, um, and it's not even teams beating us. Like, it's us beating ourselves on certain plays where we give up, you know, penalties or we we let, we drop a pass, miss a pass, you know, let up a sack. It's just self-inflicted stuff. And um, that all goes to preparation, you know, the, that week of practice leading into those games. And uh, Coach Cohen's done a good job at – trying to get us ready from week to week. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's us that got to go out there and play. And um, the leadership we have on this side of the ball is is really instilling that in us, and we, we're, we're looking forward to doing that on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, one question that is that has kind of been brought up um, early this season is the, the pace of play for the offense. I, I mm-hmm. hadn't looked at the updated statistics, but – how much how much faster do you guys want to play? I know right now in terms of the actual offensive snaps, you you're in the lower half of the division one. But, how, you know, what what would you say would be the perfection, the, the, the where you guys the standard that you guys want to be at in terms of pace of play offensively? Um, The pace of play, I guess we get I mean, obviously, you always want to play as fast as possible, but. You know, what comes with playing fast is, you know, executing at a high level as well, not just playing fast and making mistakes. But um, I noticed, I mean, I did notice the f- first couple of weeks, and I guess up to now we haven't gotten a ton of snaps on offense, but that just goes to give credit to our defense and our special teams. You know, defense has been playing, you know, lights out this year so far, and our special teams have been really good in the return game and um, cover game. But, um, uh, we, we, we know we can play faster. We know we can execute at a high level and that's just, that's all things we're learning from week to week and, um, and in practice as well. So last season you were the new guy coming into the offense, trying mm-hmm. to fit in and, and figure out, uh, gain that camaraderie and, and chemistry with Will Levis at quarterback this year. Sure. It's Devin Leary coming in as the new guy. 
trying to get up to speed with you. So what is it like just because that quarterback receiver, you know, relationship is so vital in terms of just being on the same page and kind of being able to make the same reads at a split second, you know, Um, what has that process been like for, for you working with Devin Leary? Uh, it's, it's been amazing. And uh, last year was amazing with Will as well. But, you know, this year has been good with Dev. You know, when he got here, we took a lot of time with the offense, the guys who catch the ball to uh, get out there and throw with him as much as possible throughout the spring, throughout the summer, and obviously all the camp. And um, getting up here and watching film and just, just listening to him as he, he breaks down film and listening to us as we break down film so we just get an understanding of how – you know, certain guys think how obviously QB1 thinks, you know, what he expects on this and that and uh, really trying to glue it all together as much as possible. So when we go out there on Saturday, we're hitting. And um, there's a there's a real, real laid back guy. You know, he doesn't get too rowdy, like never rowdy, never frustrated. And he's always calm. Um, You know, he, he does a good job of taking control of the offense and, you know, helping other guys. But it's been it's been a joy playing for him and playing with him um, and catching balls from him. You know, he's he's a real smart guy. He knows what he's doing out there, and it's been fun. Is there any kind of cheat code for that, like getting getting ahead? Because, you know, in some places that have had a quarterback there and a core receivers there, you know, it's just the, the seven-on-sevens in the summer to work, uh, you know, uh, outside of practice and everything kind of gets people ahead. How How do you guys kind of – you know, crunch all of that extra time down since you haven't been able to work with him as long? Uh, really throughout the offseason, when, when Devin hit us up, you know, we were here, whether it was on the weekend, you know, a little bit, you know, maybe late in the day after the lift. Whenever he wanted to throw, we always made sure he had guys to catch the ball. And um, those times, plenty of times, he would text us as offense or as a position group and just come watch film up here with them, you know, um, Obviously, once again, we're up here whenever he texts us. We just we tried to get that chemistry down as much as possible when he got here um, to make him feel comfortable as soon as possible as well. So you could have graduated. You could have been gone, you know, starting a starting a new career, professional career. Mm-hmm. What what brought you back to UK? Uh, Liam Cohen and the ability to graduate college. Those two things brought me back. And also, I felt like um, I didn't play my best ball last year, and I, I wanted to go out with more of a bang and, um, this year. But um, I came here to play for Coach Cohen in 20 – well, last year, and he left and went to the Rams, you know, made a decision that was best for him and his family. Never be mad at nobody for that. Um, and when I heard he was coming back, I was like, I, I got to play for him. I want I want a chance to play for him, play for the guy I came to play for. And um, obviously, it's been it's been a joy since then. And I have the ability to graduate this year, get a degree. You know, that's something nobody can ever take from you. You know, a degree is always going to be there because you know one day football's got to end. So, um, playing for Liam Cohen and getting a degree were the two biggest things that drew me back to come here for my fifth year. No doubt. And so so through these four games, uh, you're leading the Cats in both uh, receptions and receiving yards. Um, you could you could uh, touchdowns, three touchdowns. Um, what would you attribute 
you know, this early season success, what would you attribute that to individually speaking? What would you attribute that to so far? Um, just just the way I went about this offseason, you know, it's I've had I had those conversations with Coach Cohen when he got here, told me what I need to do, what I need to get better at, what he expects of me. And I, I took that to heart in a good way, obviously, and um grinded all year. And obviously there's always room to get better even now that we're into the season. But you know, I um he does a good job at utilizing uh all his guys, his playmakers. He knows how to give him the ball. And it's really uh Coach Cohen's just been doing his thing. You know, he's a smart guy. He's a he's a mastermind with the playbook in his hand. Indeed. And so we'll leave it on this question. What would a win do on Saturday versus Florida for this program this season? Um it it'll be huge. Um obviously going two and on the SEC. Um beating Florida what three straight years in a row. Um leaving college, never losing to Florida, I guess. But um it'll be huge for this program just just to keep getting another win in the, this this conference and um trying to move up the ranks and maybe play for a conference championship down the road. No doubt. Well, he is Tavion Robinson, or you can call him the leading receiver at UK, or you can call him Sweet Feet. I saw that as one of your nicknames. Yeah. But <laughs> I thank you for joining me, and good luck to you on Saturday. Appreciate it. That'll do it for another edition of the C.L. Brown Show. I thank my guests, J.B. Ricks Sr. and Tavion Robinson for joining me. And I thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to tune in. If you like what you heard, make it easy for yourself. Hit the subscribe button. Have these podcasts waiting for you every Wednesday. And if you feel so inclined, leave a good review. Smash that like button. Tell your friends, have a podcast listening party, whatever you got to do. I appreciate it all. Catch you next week. 